And uh, I hope you guys are ready today as we get into Jude. Such a small book in the Bible. And it was funny, I was talking to Nick. He goes, when you first start getting, you know, becoming a believer and you're reading the Bible, it's like, man, I can read an entire book in one setting. It's 25 verses long, right? And that takes you like maybe five or ten minutes and you can get through the whole uh, one. If you want to read three books in one day, read Second John, Third John, and then Jude. Right? You can get those knocked out in no time. So we call it a book. It was really more of a letter, and it's uh, a page, basically. First of all, I want to talk about who is Jude. He's not the guy that the Beatles wrote about. Right? I'm going to have to confess to you, uh, I actually listened to that song the first time all the way through earlier this week, because I was thinking of, I know you're like, what, is that possible? Because uh, I was like, what should I name this series? Can I call it Hey Jude? <laughs> and then I listened to the song, I'm like, nope, doesn't fit, so it doesn't fit, doesn't work there. Uh, but Jude was actually the brother of James, and uh, who wrote the book of James, but he was the half-brother of Jesus. So they all had the same mother. Obviously, Jesus had God the Father as his father. But, you know, jokes have been written about being the younger brothers of Jesus. Can you imagine the, the pressure there? Like you go to school and you don't act right and the teacher looks at you and says, why can't you be more like your older brother Jesus? And you're like, hello, he's God. I can't do that, right? But they did grow up under that. I mean, obviously, they didn't know he was Jesus at the time, but we know Jesus never sinned. So can you imagine uh, whatever shadow? I'm the youngest of my brother and sister, and they both uh, better grades than me. They did better, but, and I was like, you know what? Your brother and sister are smarter. Why can't you do that? And uh, I can't imagine what that was like being under Jesus. Never sinned, but that's what they grew up in. And now here's the thing. When Jude wrote this letter, he was already recognized as a leader in the church. The church, think about this. We're going way back, first century. The church is very young, very loose leadership structure is going on because they're kind of working all of this out. There's not like this defined list of these are our doctrinal beliefs. These are the things that, that we're solid on because at that time, people were still trying to figure out what does this mean to be a church? What does it mean to even be a follower of Christ? What, is, what does that look like? They're trying to figure it out. And so the, the, the apostles and other people like Apollos, uh, Paul, they're traveling around the area from place to place, city to city, church to church, and they're teaching, they're sharing the gospel, but at the same time, they're explaining this is what it means to follow Christ. These are the things you do. These are the things that you don't do. And, and we have a record of some of those uh, teachings that went about with the letters of Paul, with Jude, with James. All of those right there are trying to teach what is going on. But here's the thing. We have to understand that there was something else that was going on at the same time. There was another group of people that were going around from place to place, from church to church, and they were preaching a completely different message. Not the gospel that the disciples and the apostles were uh, teaching, but one that was not the gospel, one that was not God's plan, one that was basically taking people away from serving Jesus and living a life where they just kind of do what they want to do. And uh, every now and then I, I quote from the uh, Message Bible, uh, the man who wrote that, Eugene Peterson, he, and as I was studying for this lesson, he wrote this little intro to the book of Jude, and I want to read it to you, so bear with me just a couple of minutes as I, as I read this, because this is his understanding of Jews. But he says this, our spiritual communities are as susceptible to disease as our physical bodies. But it is easier to detect whatever is wrong with our stomach, our lungs. That it, um, It's more easier to detect what's wrong with our stomach and lungs than it is in our worship and witness. When our physical bodies are sick or damaged, the pain calls our attention to it. Isn't that true? Uh, and we do something about it quick. But a dangerous and even deadly virus in our spiritual communities can go undetected for a long time. And as much as we need physicians for the body... We have an even greater need for diagnosticians, I'm probably saying that wrong, and healers of the Spirit. And he says this, Jude's letter to the early 
community of Christians is just such a diagnosis. It is all the more necessary in that those believers apparently didn't know anything was wrong, or at least not as desperately wrong as Jude pointed out. So what was going on, some are teaching the truth, some are coming along teaching something completely different. How many of you know that will cause confusion? It's not like they can go on the internet. They didn't even have a Bible to go and like, wait a minute, let me see what's true. There were too many voices that were saying different things. And so the question I want to talk about, how do you know what's true? How do you know uh, uh, who's teaching a false gospel and who's teaching the true gospel? And, and uh, it was interesting. I'm just putting a plug in here for our men's Bible study on Friday. If you don't come to it, it it's amazes me how many times the topic come up on our men's Bible study that I happen to be talking about. And we were talking about false teachers and how to uh, recognize it. So we're, we're kind of dealing with that today. That's what the book of Jude talks about. And, uh, and I believe that this is a truth today. How many of you know, all you got to do is go on YouTube or the internet or something. You can find anyone anywhere teaching just about anything and claim that it's truth. Right? Oh, this is truth. This is truth. And, and let me just say, sometimes, you know, I don't know if P.T. Barnum actually said it, but people say there's a sucker born every minute. Am I right? We, we, uh, we see people will believe just about anything. So all kinds of people claiming to be truth. So I want to give you a few examples of books out there. These are not recommended reading. I just want to say that, okay? I'm putting a word of caution out there. This one was written around 1920 or so by Jeffrey Hodson. He's a, he was a Catholic priest. And just look at the title, Fairies at Work and Play. What, uh, the, the back of it, it says, How to See the Unseen Fairies, Gnomes, and Spirits that are Around Your Neighborhood. I told this to the first service. I think he watched Peter Pan too many times, right? I do believe in fairies. I do believe in fairies. Right? No. Uh, this, is, this is like real. Hey, listen, there's a gnome there. No, that might just be a short person, okay? Calm down, right? So, uh, so anyway, that was a real book. Here's the, the next one I want to show you. Nordic Aliens and the Greek Gods of Africa. Check it out. It says... Through the Wormhole, Lost Civilizations, Oracles, Robots, and the Bird Language of the Gods. You know, the thing that cracks me up is that they had to do this. This is nonfiction. He's saying this is true, right? Look, I, I want to read a little bit that was on the back. Deep in the midst of history, Africa was colonized by Nordic Greek gods who spoke through lifelike oracles embedded with two-way communication devices... They spoke in the same bird song language used by the Nordic aliens today. Can you imagine picking that up and actually believing that? Okay, this next one, some of you guys are going to uh, laugh at it, but uh, it is the Jedi Compass. Collected works of the Jedi community. Yeah, like, wait a minute, what? For real, there is an actual people that, that that's, this is their religion that sprung from the mind of George Lucas. Oh, I'm a Jedi. I want to beat it. And it says you can find the things you need to know to become an actual Jedi. Now, I'd kind of like to find a lightsaber, right? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? But uh, let me read a couple of reviews. These are people that actually like follow this. They think they're going to be a Jedi. He says this. He goes, I am a practicing Jedi and I found this book to contain a lot of valuable information for anyone looking to understand the Jedi path and its philosophies. Well, it's awfully quiet in here. Another review. I use this to help with my Jediism studies. I think he made the word up. A collection of Jedi in the real world collectively talk about their wisdom on this path, right? Now, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? How many of you know it's easier to spot crazy? Even though some people actually believe that, uh, you can, like I said, you can go on the internet, you can go on TV, and, and man, crazy just kind of flashes at you. They're like neon signs, am I right? But can I tell you, it's a little more difficult to spot somebody who takes a little bit of truth and a whole lot of lies and begins to mix it up. See, that's why it's important to understand and to know God's Word and to read it on a regular basis, because when you don't know that, then you can like, oh, well, that's true. Oh, well, that's true. And you can get sucked into a web of lies. 
And uh, some, you know, that's what was happening in the early century. They were mixing Christianity with other things, trying to convince people that this is the way, right? Uh, here's another one right here, mixing uh, Christianity. Jesus Christ, Zen Master. All of these are on Amazon. I didn't make these things up. Uh, and it says, uh, the top 116 sayings of an enlightened Jesus. The only problem with that is that the sayings that they're quoting, Jesus didn't actually say. Right? But if you're reading that, you're like, oh, well, Jesus said that. No, he didn't say that. Uh, the, like I said, this is what was going on in the early church. There were people mixing some truth with some lies. And, and because people didn't really know, they were, just, they, were, they were following it. They're saying, this is how you serve Jesus. So let me give you just kind of in a nutshell some of the teachings the false teachers in the first century were, were preaching. First of all, Christians didn't have to worry about sin anymore, ever. Wouldn't that be nice? I don't even have to worry about it. Just forget it. Take it. And, and they taught that God forgives you and he gives you grace. Is that true? Absolutely. God does forgive us. God does give us grace. And then they say that Jesus has done away with the Old Testament laws and rules. Is that true? Yes. You know, kind of. Part, partly true, right? But because of that, they came to this conclusion that if the law is gone, that means there's no more rules. And no more rules means no more rules. Everything is a free. Now because I live in grace, I can live however I want to live. I can live in sin because I also live in grace. It's not a big deal. Because of, because of grace, there is no consequences anymore for my sin. That's the conclusion that they came to. These were the truths that they were going around. And, and let me just say, no doubt, doing whatever you want sounds really great, doesn't it? I can just live however I want unless you're on the, the, the receiving end of somebody else's having a good time, am I right? Living no sin, no consequences, do whatever you want. What they did is that they tricked people by telling them what they wanted to hear. And, and Paul addressed this out of 2 Timothy. He says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their what? Own desires. Will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. And they will reject the truth and chase after myths. It happened in Paul's time. It's happening today. There are people that are teaching Christianity in a way that is contrary to Christianity. To what Jesus. So it's still happening. The, the attack that was going on in the church, it, you know, yes, there was persecution, but this was an attack that was going on from the inside. And it was corruption that was taking uh, place. Another example of how that is happening today is another book that's out there. It's called the Queen James Bible. <laughs> Anybody hear of that one before? You can read it, it's on Amazon. Uh, it's, it says that the Queen James Bible is based on the King James Bible, but it's edited to prevent homophobic misinterpretation. So whatever way you want to live, all you got to do is just change a few words in the Bible, right? It's like, oh, I got the Bible, but is it the Bible? And, and, and to, listen, that people want to hear that. We want to live the way we want to live. Don't tell me that I can't do this. Don't tell me that. And, and here's the problem. When God's people don't live according to the way God has called us, how many of you know there's trouble going to be waiting? There, you know, hypocrisy, immorality does way more damage to the church than uh, some outside, you know, the government's doing this, it's taking away my rights, it's doing all of these things. False teaching sidetracks us way more. And I believe that Satan wins when we are so focused on maybe like, oh, I'm losing my Christian rights. Listen, I'm concerned about that too. But when we stop living right, how many of you know that's a bigger deal? Right. And it's okay for us to stand up for the things that are right. It's okay to fight. And it's a good thing to fight for the lives of the unborn babies. Am I right? Yeah. But we got to be careful, church. Listen, I want you to hear. we got to be careful because we can end up fighting the wrong enemy in the wrong way we got to make sure that we're showing Christ. It's easier to call our government workers immoral and not have to deal with their own issues in our life. Right? It's easier to rail against society than it is to like, okay, God, show me my sin. It's, let me just say this. It's easier to attack the White House than it is to clean up your own house. Yeah? Am I right? 
oh, this, that, and the other thing. Why don't you look inside? Listen, in the first century, I just want to say, Roman government was way more corrupt than what we're living in right now. All right? More immoral. They worshipped. Idolatry was everywhere. They did stuff that I'm not even going to talk about. But here's the thing, Jude, instead of attacking those things, instead of attacking society and say, oh, our society's going to hell in a handbasket, Jude's priority was to keep the church and the gospel pure. Want to make sure that we stay true to what God said, what Jesus said. And in the writing, let me say, Jude didn't want to write this letter initially. Look what it says in verse 3. He goes, dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. That's what he wanted to talk about, right? I love talking about salvation. I love talking about love and grace and forgiveness and all the good stuff. How many of you love that? I mean, love singing about it. That is great. That is amazing. But he goes on to say, he goes, but now I find that I must write about something else, right? I wanted to talk about our great salvation, but he says, urging you to defend the faith that God entrusted once for all time to his holy people. So his goal initially, his desire, uh, was to write about the great salvation, uh, but God, you know, Holy Spirit's like, well, you want to write about that, but this is what you're going to write about. And like I said, I love to preach all that. I love to talk about that. But can I say this? A message about salvation without a call to repentance and change is not the gospel. Five of you guys are great. No, I'm just kidding. We can talk about it, but we've got to talk about repentance. We've got to talk about change. Because Jude's message to the church was to remind the church of some very important things that we want to talk about here today. He actually says this in verse 5. He says, I want to remind you. He's trying, he goes, though you already know these things, so he's wanting to take them back to some stories that they're already familiar with. And in verse 17, he goes, you, my dear friends, you must remember. There's things that I want to remind you. There's things that you need to remember. And, and I don't know, either the church had already forgotten or they were so important that they were worth saying over and over again. How many of you know there's things that truths that we hear, but we need to keep hearing them? Not like, oh, I heard that. You know, sometimes I know uh, my wife teaches kids and sometimes kids, if they've heard a story, they'll be like, oh, I already heard this. Like, oh, okay, so I guess that's once for the rest of your life is good. How many of you never need to hear another message about forgiveness <laughs> or about forgiving others? We, we need to keep hearing these things. So uh, listen, it is easy to forget. Am I right? Anybody else have the same gift of forgetfulness like me? All right, I see a few hands there. I mean, you can ask my, ask my wife. I, I, I can forget. If I don't write something down then I'm probably going to forget. But you know, the problem with that is sometimes I forgot that I even wrote it down. <laughs> Come on, I know I can't be the only, uh, only one. One time when we were in Chico, somebody gave me $20 to put in the offering because it was the end of service and they forgot to put it in there. And uh, I put it in my pocket. I'm like, all right, I'll put it in there. Started talking with everybody and uh, forgot that it was in there. And maybe a few days or a week or so later, I had those pants on. Was that, and I was at this, and I reached in there, and I'm like, $20. I'm like, yes, where did that, how many of you love to find hidden money <laughs> that you forgot where it was? I found 20 bucks, and I had no idea where it came from, so I spent it. <laughs> and it was like, and then I don't remember, day or two or sometime later, I remembered, somebody gave me that $20. So I had to get my own $20 to replace the $20 that I spent. It's just a reality. And, and one of my biggest things that I often lose, and, and I know my son Joshua's with me, is I lose my... What's the biggest thing that you lose? Ah, I heard it. Keys, right? Uh, let me just say, a couple of years ago, my wife bought this thing right here. And these are my keys right here. And I hang them on there and uh, most of the time. I, I said that until the first service, 90% of the time I put them there, she corrected me, said 70% of the time. Because when I don't put them there, I put them somewhere else that I don't remember where I put them. And then we go to leave the house, and then the hunt is on. Right? It's like I start scouring everywhere. The one closely related to my keys is my wallet. Set that sucker down somewhere, and uh, where in the world is it? So uh, it's bad to forget your keys, but how many of you know you can't forget the good things that God has done in your life? 
We can't forget. We have to remember what God has done, the stories in our life. And, you know, as I look around this room, I know some of your stories. I know at least portions of your stories. I don't know everything, but I know that God's done some amazing things in this room. Am I right? Amen. God has done some amazing things in your lives. And yes, doom and gloom all over the world on the TV. How many of you know sometimes you just got to turn it off and start looking at the good things that God has done? And worship team, you guys can come up. There are some in this room that have been set free from addictions. Amen. There are some here that have been supernaturally healed from sickness and disease. I know I've been supernaturally healed from something, a virus that... Uh, the doctor said, no, no, you can't be healed from that. There are people in this room that the world has already given up on, but Jesus says, nope, that one's mine. Nope, I haven't, forget, I haven't given up on them. There are some that have been lost in sin, but God has given them hope. Listen, we need to remember, uh, yes, gas prices are up, stock market, who knows where it's at, but God is good. So yeah. as we uh, sing this, can I have everybody stand up? Let's make this a song of just a declaration, God's promises. Remain steadfast in them. 
And that was a message that, that the church needed to remember. Yeah, you guys can be seated. When Jude wrote this, you realize the church was in a difficult place. It was a dangerous place. These false teachers had spread all across the church world. And, and it wasn't just a few. As they were traveling, they were actually building a large uh, following that was going on. And so you get back. Jude taught some of these stories that he already knew that they already knew. The, mainly the Jewish audience, but the rest had already heard these. They had an understanding, and he's reminded, and I can tell you, we need to re, be reminded of these same stories because uh, some of the same things are happening. And so let's be real. For some of you guys, you may be the only Christian in your family, right? Nobody else is in your family, goes to church, and they're like, you got to go to church again? Why do you got to go this time? Aren't you good enough? It's no big deal. Uh, maybe you're the only believer at your school or at work, and, and you're, you know, and they're like, oh, come on, everybody's doing this. You can do it. Everybody does it, and you're like, you know, I need to stand up for what's right. Or, or maybe you're recovering from addiction, and you know, some of you guys understand, you get around your old buddies again, they're like, come on, just one drink, you know what, just one thing. And uh, here's the thing, the enemy always attacks truth. When you're trying to stand for truth, the enemy is going to come against you. So I'm here to remind you of the real truth, that when you come under attack, the truth is what's under attack. Isn't that right? That's why you don't have to take it personal. It may seem personal, but when you're standing for truth and the attack comes... That's who the attack is going after. It's going after truth. So we have to remember that just as God is faithful to us, we need to stay faithful to God. Amen? We need to stay faithful to God in the same way. And yes, we'll never be able to match His faithfulness. I know that. God knows that, but we've got to stay faithful to Him. Jude, let me go back to that verse 5 that I read a minute ago. He goes, I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that the Lord first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt 
But look, later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. So there's two parts of this verse. First of all, it's wonderful, right? God rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt. The second part, not such good news. He later destroyed those who didn't stay faithful. Jude is reminding them of the same thing that we need to hear today, that a past victory is not permission for future failure. All right, think about that. God rescued the, the and, and you know, we've all watched, have you all watched the Ten Commandments, right? If you haven't seen it with Charlton Heston, I know it's old school, but that's the best, right? I just got to say, Prince of Egypt, that's good, but, you know, here's the thing. It tells the story how God delivered the, the Israelites from the bondage, opening up the Red Sea, uh, and we know kind of the story you follow. First of all, they got to the Red Sea. They complained. God opened it up. They got to the other side. Amazing miracle. What did they do? The first thing is they complained again. There's nothing to drink. I'd rather go back to Egypt. God provided water. Just go through Exodus and you can see God was always faithful. They were pretty much always complaining. Am I right? Miracle after miracle God did for the people. It was amazing. But God saw the people's rebellion against him. And when they finally got to the promised land, sent in the spies, and they're like, oh, you know, other than Joshua and Caleb, the rest came back with a bad report, and it discouraged everybody. And so the result of that was that there was a generation that died in the desert. God delivered them, amazing deliverance, but then they died. And I, I think the point that we need to learn is that God can rescue you from your Egypt, but guess what? We can still choose to die in the desert. What do you mean by that? Whatever it is that held you in bondage, whatever sin it was that has captured you, listen, God may deliver you, but you have to stay faithful or else you can be just like the Israelite. And that's what he's trying to remind them. Listen, when you get rescued, that comes with responsibility. It's not like, woo, God, thank you for letting me get out of that and then go right back into it. To, to end up in the same place that you were. What is the responsibility? When God rescues you, we have to stay faithful to him. We've got to keep doing the right things, right? Everybody say, keep doing it, keep doing right? It. We've got to stay faithful to church. We've got to stay faithful in our relationships. We've got to learn to say no to temptations because, you know, yes, we can celebrate the great victories that God does in our life. How many of you know that's a good thing? When God does something, but don't forget, friends, the race isn't over yet, right? God may have done something amazing in your life, but the fight is still on. And, and you know, I looked for the, some of you guys may have seen, there was a, there's a video where this uh, guy on a si or, uh, bicycle, a bicycle race, I know one of the really long ones, and he was getting close to the end, and he knew that he was in first place. He put his arms up celebrating that I won the race. And the video goes on to show two other guys passed him at the last minute. All right? How many of you have seen that one? All right? He celebrated. Too. The race wasn't over. Listen, God may be doing something great in your life. But remember, I've got to stay faithful to God. I can't do, you know, oh, you know what? I was good most of the time. But I, you know what? I'm just going to coast from here on out. Because if you coast, sure sign you're going to trip up. you got to keep going. you got to stay faithful to him. So that was the first story. It was about the, uh, God delivering the, the Israelites. Stay faithful to him because if not, I don't want to die in the desert. I don't want to go all of this way, see all the wonderful things God has done for me, for me only to reject God in the end. Let's stay faithful. It's a fight that's worth staying in. Amen? Verse 6, he tells another story. He goes, and I want to remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, right? God had a plan for them. It says, they left the place where they belong. God has kept them secretly chained in prison of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole angel uh, demon thing, but we know all of the demons, all of, or those are fallen angels. Those are the ones that chose to follow Lucifer before the earth was created. God had created heavens and angels. Some of them chose and thought they had a better plan. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to rise up. God, I've got a better plan. I mean, that's what Lucifer actually says. Uh, I'm going to set my throne above yours. And that, here's the thing that kind of blows my mind. They were in heaven, and they didn't realize that their rebellion was going to get them tossed out. And here we are, we're trying to get into heaven. 
That's where I want to go. They, you know, I don't know if it was greed, pride, whatever. The bottom line is they thought they had a better plan. Oh, you have a good plan, God, but you know, I've got something better. And Jude is reminding him that our plans are never better than God's plan. Our plan is never. And so we have to do the same thing. Not only stay faithful to God, but we got to stay close to God. We got to stay close to God in our relationship. You know, the angels were in heaven and close to God, but they left because they wanted something else. They wanted something different. And let me just give you a reminder, because when you think you deserve better, when you think that, 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 that you have a, a more or you want something more important than what God has for you, how many of you realize you begin to put yourself in a dangerous place? Right? So we got to stay close. Don't leave. Look, look at what happened to the angels. They got outside of God's plan. They got outside of God's blessing, outside of his presence, and they gave up heaven for darkness and chains. That's crazy. That's what Judah's reminding them of. And, and here's, the, here's the reality. When you remove yourself from God's presence, you remove yourself from God's blessings. Boy, it's quiet in here, right? Friends, I want to tell you, stay close to God. I know, listen, I know it can be tempting to move away. Listen, the world offers, dangles those carrots before us all the time. Oh, look at this shiny thing. Look at this over here. And, you know, we get tempted. How many of you have found out those shiny things aren't worth anything? They're nothing but a shiny thing that only leads to destruction. And so the, the, when we know that, here's some of the things, when we begin to drift from God, these ideas will start popping in our head. Well, you know what? I don't really need to be at church every week. I mean, I'm not a fanatic, right? I, don't, I mean, I'm not going to lose my relationship. Uh, I don't have to read my Bible every day. Come on, that's a little bit too much. Uh, I'm good for this week. It's no big deal, right? I, I'm, if, if I get into crisis, you know, there's some people that, that we've known over the years that they only showed up in church during a crisis, right? And once God got them through it, they were gone. Sure enough, we're like, well, next crisis, we'll see them again. It's, it's just a reality, but the reality is slowly removing ourselves from God's presence, then we begin to wonder, man, where did the blessings of God go? Where did that peace go? Where did that sense of, of fulfillment and wholeness go? Well, I've removed myself away from it. It's not that God stopped blessing. We just moved away from where God was blessing, right, in his will. And, and can I say, listen, I know I can be annoying to some people, but uh, uh, many of you guys in here can attest that, that if I don't see you if, after a few weeks, then I can be uh, pretty persistent, <laughs> right? And, and why would you do that, pastor? You're just hounding me. And it's like, it's hard to, I'm just going to tell you, it's hard to find the balance, but I am a pastor. I am a shepherd. I actually care about you guys. Y'all realize that, right? And I've just seen it, you know, after Colleen and I have been in ministry this many years, I've seen too many bad things happen when people have drifted away. Too many bad things that have happened. So I want to encourage you, friends, stay close to God. Stay close to Him. Stay faithful to Him. Stay close to Him. And then Jude, he, he went after the false teachers who said uh, sin doesn't really matter. He said this in verse 4. And I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your church saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. Just going to stop right there. They have wormed their way in, and now they're teaching God's marvelous grace. It allows you to live an immoral life. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And then he got a little bit even more specific and confronted the sexual immorality in those teachings. In verse 7, he goes, and don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah. Here's the third story that he's reminding them about. Most of us remember Sodom and Gomorrah, remember the fire and destroyed. Uh, Lot's wife remembered it well. And, uh, and it says, and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind, everybody say every kind, every of kind. sexual perversion. How many of you know our world today is filled with every kind of sexual perversion just like Sodom and Gomorrah and it says those cities were destroyed by fire and they serve as a, a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment now let me just say when these letters were initially written they were read out loud for everybody to hear 
No doubt when, when that letter was read, it was really quiet in that room. Kind of like it is right now. Why? Because those are harsh words. Are those harsh words? That serves as a warning of eternal... I mean, come on. It was a pretty stern warning that was going down there. They're like, ooh, I want to read this letter by Jude. You know, I was like, whoa, ow. <laughs> you know, that hurt. So, so here's the thing that he's trying to teach them in this, uh, this third story is that we need to learn to stay from, away from sin. Sin is nothing to play around with. Sin is not flippant. There is no such thing as big sin, little sin, you know, different color sins, whatever you want to call it. Sin is sin, right? And there are people that had slipped into the church saying, you know what, sin doesn't matter. I, I mean, you've probably heard this or maybe you've thought it yourself, well, God loves me, right? God loves me and, and he wants me to be happy. And, uh, and doing this activity or this thing makes me happy. So God doesn't really care because my happiness is more important than anything. I've heard people say that. Anybody else? God just wants me happy. So he's going to let me do this. Or you hear this one. God is love. He loves everybody no matter what they do. How many of you know that is true? God loves everybody. Absolutely. But to the fact that, you know what? Uh, they have come up with God, uh, love wins over anything. So it doesn't really matter what you do because God loves me. Or maybe you hear God knows, that I, uh, God knows that I want to do the right thing. Even if I don't do the right thing, I sure have the right desire. All right, so do you feel like you get brownie points just because you want to do right? <laughs> no, no brownie points in heaven, right? Or you may hear this one, everybody's, come on, everybody sins now and then. I mean, I've, I've had six pretty good weeks, so I think I'm going to take this week off, <laughs> right? I've been doing pretty good, you know, so Lord, I'm just going to take a weekend, right? And, and then I'll get back to you. I mean, because that kind of ties into God's going to forgive me, so I'll just go ahead and do this, and then I'll ask for forgiveness later. All of those things. Listen, you can always find people that will tell you that you can live however you want, and they will find creative and spiritual ways to give you permission to do unholy things but what did Jude say he says these are ungodly people who say God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives they weren't sorry about such a heavy sermon but I'm just tell, I'm, I'm just going through Jude okay he says watch out for people and false teachers who say oh you know what the Bible's outdated you know what that was for way back then it's not really relevant for our culture today because our culture everybody does this listen I want to say watch out for people like that watch out for people that push this soft form of Christianity that says you can do whatever you want just because God loves you I want to say yes God does love you but I also want to say that he loves you so much that he warns us and wants us to stop the destructive behaviors and experience the life that he has given us. Amen. Does that make sense? He intended for us to have a good, a wholesome, a fulfilling life, but he knows that as long as we stay in our puddle of sin, you're never going to experience it. Right? He loves us. He has something better for all of us. Amen? So watch out. For, not only that, I want to say this. Watch out for spiritual leaders that t try to tell you how to live, but them themselves, they don't even do it. How many of you know there's a lot of those around? Oh, you ought to do this. I mean, here's the thing. We, we, we kind of evaluate leaders, and we're like, oh, man, you know what? That person knows so much Scripture. How many of you know that's not a test if you're a godly leader? I mean, that's good. It's good to know Scripture. Uh, you may be a gifted speaker. How many of you know that doesn't mean that you're a godly leader just because you're a good communicator? How many of you realize Adolf Hitler was a good communicator? Right? He was able to sway an entire nation. Uh, it's not even how cool you are, you know? Uh, you know what? If I can have the big biceps and tattoos and be the cool pastor, you know, up here. How many of you know that doesn't mean you're godly? The test is obedience to God's word. Am I doing it? Am I, here's the reality. You can be a super spiritual person and a super sinner at the same time. Like, oh man, that person's so amazing. Just because somebody can quote scripture, hangs around Christian, doesn't mean they're a follower of God. Just because somebody's on TV, maybe they got a YouTube channel, maybe they've got 10 million followers, prophecy charts, supernatural insight, uh, looks like there's miracles taking place, that doesn't mean that person is godly. 
All right? Don't just assume that. It doesn't mean that they're not either, okay? So don't think that. But doesn't the Bible say that Satan masquerades as an angel of light? Looks like he's good, pretends to be a good guy, but he wants to destroy us. Right? He comes in. So be aware of people that teach, be aware of people that teach that God's not going to judge sin because he's just a God of love. Run from those that tell you that you can sin because of grace and that sin doesn't matter anymore. Listen, I, I believe God's not going to tolerate ongoing sin against amongst his people. We've got to make sure that we are living the right way. You can't, here's the thing, you can't expect God the benefits of following Jesus if you're not actually following Jesus. Remember, so stay faithful, stay close to God, stay away from sin. Uh, that is pretty convicting. I mean, I was convicted as I was doing the, getting this message put together. But maybe, maybe you're here today and you're worried, maybe I went too far. Maybe I've gone too far. Maybe I've played this and, and there's no hope for me. I want to point out one last thing out of Jude. The first verse, it starts out, this is a letter from Jude, a slave, some uh, versions say servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So he mentions his half-brother Jesus in there, and he's saying, listen, I serve him. I'm committed to him. I'm a slave of him. But, but that wasn't always the case in Jude's life. It wasn't the case in James's life either. Look what it says back in Mark, at, earlier in Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And then when his family, which includes his brother's his sisters, his mom, when they heard about this, they went to take charge of him. Like, I'm going to control him. Why? Because they say he's out of his mind. Jude at one time thought Jesus was crazy. Right? Something is wrong with this dude. He thinks he's something, but he's just my brother. He's out of his mind. So he thought that. Look at this, what it says in, in John 7. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers, including Jude and including James, right, said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. Now, that sounds good. Go, go there and let them see that. But look what it goes on to say. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. And since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. It's kind of mocking him, wasn't it? And, and he says, for even his own brothers didn't believe in him. Even his own brothers, they didn't support him. They thought he was cuckoo, like something, he's lost, he's, you know, something is wrong. He was such a good kid growing up. Now what has happened to him? They didn't believe in him, but how many of you know that's not the whole story? Because something amazing happened to Jude along the way. And we don't know how, we don't know when, because it's not recorded in Scripture. But Jude goes from thinking that Jesus is crazy to saying, listen, I will serve him all the days of my life. This guy... That's right. He rose from the dead. And he said, you know, here's the thing. He said he was a slave or a servant of his brother. And listen, I've got a brother. His name is David. And, uh, you know, I love him, but I'm not his slave. How many of you with me? You got a sibling. You may love them. You may tolerate them. But you guarantee you're not going to say I'm their slave. No way. And, uh, but, but here's the thing. He's, what I want to remind you, if you do walk away... Or if you have walk away, I want to say, don't stay away. Don't stay away. We, we, we have all had these tendencies to drift away from the Lord. And, and sometimes that drifting may only be a few steps. So how many of you know, some of you have experienced a whole lot more than a few steps. And you've lost the peace, you've lost the joy, you've lost all of that. And, and I want to say that our God is just like the prodigal son's father. He had his arms outreach waiting for us. But Jude came back to relationship with Jesus. He came back to that. And so I want to encourage you, stay away from sin. Don't, don't stay away. If you found yourself drifting away, let me just, uh, I want to tell you, it's never too late to follow him. It's never too late to turn back and say, God, I just want everything. So can I have everybody stand today? I know some of the words may be hard, but listen, I'm just just giving you the word, right? Jude was trying to remind them, listen, I know people are saying this is no big deal, this is no, but uh, sin really is a big deal. But we serve a good God. Scripture says that if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us of all sin. Amen? He doesn't hold it over our head. 
He doesn't say, oh yeah, you know what, this is who you were. No, he forgives it. He cast it away. I talked about this last week at our Easter service that, you know, the book that had all of our sin in it, it went into the fire when we accept him. Right? He, he takes it away. And, uh, and I think that's just a reminder for us today. Lord, if, I, if I've been doing stuff, if I've been going down a road and I've made excuses in my head that it's okay, that it's no big deal, that everybody does it, whatever the excuse, we are good at excuses, am I right? Whatever it is, we just need to come and say, God, I was wrong. I was wrong. I've sinned. You know, even as the prodigal son returned, he came back to his father. He says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. That's the way as we come to God in that way, God forgives. His blood is big enough. There's nothing too big and nothing too small that he will not forgive. So if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I have wandered. I have strayed away. But today I am saying, God, I want to come back into your arms. I want to run into the loving arms of a father has his arms outstretched wide. And Lord, I want to be in right relationship with you again. It really is that easy. Though you may take a hundred steps away from him, do you realize it only takes one step to get back to him? Amen? So uh, if... If you're here today, sorry. Those words. Since you're here today, maybe some of you guys are online. And you say, listen, I want to make a fresh commitment to him. Maybe you've done it before. I'm not saying you got to get resaved or anything. But you say, you know what? I've been drifting. And I want to get back into right relationship with you today, Lord. Can I just have you raise your hand where you're at? Thank you, Lord. You know, whether I see it or not is not the big deal. How many of you know God? And so as we're singing this song, can we just take a few minutes and just say, and just make it, in your own words, just make a declaration to God. Say, God, I, I recommit and I resubmit myself to you. And even confess, Lord, I, I've drifted in these areas. There's some things that I've allowed in my life that I know are not honoring to you. And I know that I've had my eye on it. But Lord, today I turn my eye away from that. And Lord God, I focus back on you. Lord, I want you. I want everything that you have. I want the blessings again. I want the peace again. I want the joy again. I want the hope again. Father, I want to be able to stand pure and clean in you. It's just, it's in your word. So as we're singing this song, I want you just to, between you and God, make that declaration. Amen. Thank you, Lord.